All right, guys, welcome to the gathering. Thanksgiving week, how are we doing tonight? Doing all right, doing good? You guys hungry yet? Man, I'm ready for Thursday. I was just telling a few of you earlier that a few years back, we, we uh, in our family, we, we bumped the, the, the traditional food, and now every year we cater in Mexican, and it is so good. It makes Thanksgiving so much better. Um, but hey, we're glad that you guys are here. Uh, I hope that this week is, is one where you get to be with some friends and family, or at least, if nothing else, think about uh, the, the things in our life that we are grateful for. And I think uh, every Tuesday night, every, literally every Tuesday night for the last almost 10 years, um, I sit back here and I worship with you and then I talk with you and I get to pray with some of you. And I am just so grateful for the opportunity that I have to be uh, the young adult pastor at Crossings and, and do life with you guys and study God's word with you guys and uh, pray with you and for you and all that stuff. So um, I'm, I'm just thankful that y'all are here. Um, so one of, the, one of the things that we do in our family for Thanksgiving week is we always do a puzzle. Anybody go home and there's a puzzle on the dining room table? Anybody else? Anybody? And no? A few of you? You don't be embarrassed, all right? This is what we do. We, we get around a puzzle and we, like, and, we, and we lock in and we get it done. Well, when, we, when I was dating, I, we may have been engaged. It was my first if I remember correctly, my wife will probably correct a lot of this, but my recollection of the story was the first time I went to her house with, her in, with my in-laws, her parents, and we did a puzzle, I caught my wife um, cheating at the puzzle multiple times. And you're like, well, Andy, how do you cheat while you puzzle? Um, well, here's what you do. You force pieces that do not belong into places where you want them to belong. You're like, I'm so frustrated, I can't, this fits right here. Right? And this is what we do. Because in life, we want things to fit. And a lot of times I was thinking, you know what? That's what dating feels like sometimes. Is they're like, we're, we're, we're so desperate for the picture to be complete, our life to be complete, that we, we start to force things into its spot. And that's what we talked about last week, right? We talked about this, this idea that when we date desperate, we, we, we try and force Mr. Right Now into being Mr. Right or vice versa. Well, every Christmas, so Thanksgiving, right, is puzzle. Every Christmas, we start asking our kids, and I bet your parents have asked you, like, what do you want for Christmas? And without fail, there is one gift that almost every child asks for. And I would, and I would never be sad uh, if I got this, and that is Legos. Because Legos are just fun to put together. It's a fun thing you can do right away, right? You open the box, and there's instructions, and there's, a, there's an image. You're like, all right, this is what it's gonna look like, and then there's step-by-step instructions on how to put this thing together. Because if, if there wasn't instructions and there wasn't a picture, you just dump it all on the table and be like, well, good luck, here we go, let's try to make something. Again, whether it's puzzles or whether it's Legos, it's a lot like dating. And I don't know about you, but I did not grow up with anyone telling me how to date. I didn't grow up with anyone saying, hey, Andy, this is what you should do, not do. This is what you should be looking for and not looking for. It was pretty much just like, don't do it, but one day get married and then everything will be fine. Like that was kind of what I grew up with. I don't know if that's familiar to you or not, but I, that's, that's the world. It was like, here's the bag of Legos, dump them out on the table and make an aircraft carrier. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know how to do that. What do you, what, like, and you start putting multiple people on the same project, it's gonna look pretty weird. And so what I wanna do tonight is I wanna give you, just like we've let over the last couple weeks, I wanna give you a little bit of a how-to date. How do we date? What's the instruction manual look like? What is the image, what's on the box? What does it need to look like? Now again, if this is your first time at the gathering in this series, 
I'll just be up front. The Bible does not talk about dating. That word is not in the Bible. It's either you are a brother and sister of Christ or you are a husband or wife. There is this in-between stuff. And so what we're doing is we're looking at biblical principles, principles that apply to relationship, and then we're gonna apply those to our dating relationship. How are we instructed in God's word to treat one another? And then as we start to date, then we can say, well, that, let's, let's just apply that to this. Does that make sense? So here's what we're gonna do tonight. We're gonna talk about how to date, and we're gonna start in John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. And if you were here last week, we talked about this one last week, but just very briefly. And we're gonna talk about it again this week very briefly. John 13, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he gives them this instruction to love one another as I have loved you. And by the way that you love one another, everyone will know you are my disciples, meaning the, the, the command is to love one another, all right? The, the example is, as I have loved you. That's, that, that's the instruction manual, right? You open it, oh, we do it as Jesus did. And then the distinction of that, the implication is by the way that you love one another will be so different than everybody else that they will know you're a Christian by the way you love one another. Well, that's all well and good because we all know exactly what that means. Our culture has no confusion over the word love, right? Like, it, okay, that was a joke. You can laugh at that. Like, we have no idea what that means. I mean, if we pulled everybody in here, we would get probably 50, 60, 70, 100 different answers. What does it mean to love someone? Is it a feeling? Is it a choice? Is it an activity? Well, like, well it's the love language. Is it, is it treasure? Is it time? Is it touch? What, like, all, the, all the, the, the books that we read. Well, one of the coolest things that I found in, in Scripture and probably the most practical way to live out our Christian faith is this phrase called the one another's. And it starts from John 13 where Jesus says, love one another. And then 59 times throughout the rest of the New Testament, you see this word pattern. There's a word followed by one another. Be patient with one another. Care for one another. Forgive one another. Does that make sense? And so it's the most practical way that we can say, all right, how do we actually do this? Jesus gives us this instruction to love, but how? Well, the authors of the New Testament, they tell us how. And so what we're gonna do tonight is I'm gonna, I'm gonna look at five things on how to date, five principles on how we can date from God's word that will help us date in a way that will lead us to a marriage relationship. Because that's, again, if you haven't been here, that we're not talking about finding someone to fulfill you. We're not talking about someone to complete you. We're talking about finding someone that you can do life with and then give your life to them. Just as Christ has given his life to us. Because that's, that's the gospel. John 13 is the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. That the way that he loved us was he saw our greatest need and God said, I love you, therefore I am going to give you my one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And so the, the, the baseline for how to love is not a taking action, it is a giving of ourselves to one another. And so my disclaimer tonight is my same disclaimer I said last week, and that is this. I am going to give a list of five things tonight. 
It is not exhaustive. It is, it is just five principles. It, it's not every principle. It's just five that I have found in my life, in my pastoring uh, conversations that I've had over 25 years. These are the principles that, that I find, we, that I talk with young adults with the most. That the young adults that have been in our ministry and then actually gotten married, this is what we talk about. And so it's not exhaustive. I'm not giving you a formula that if you do these five things, it will all go well for you. I'm not giving you that. Because every situation has nuance, which means every situation is different. Every person in this room is wired different, acts different, is gifted different, responds different. And so there's nuance and discernment required. Massive discernment required. So I know we want to put people into a formula. I want you to really fight that urge to put people into a box that we check instead of loving and caring for your brother or sister in Christ, okay? So number one, how do we date? The first thing is we date prayerfully and patiently. Prayerfully and patiently. Colossians 1 Verses three and four and nine and 10, Paul writes this. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and we pray for you because we have heard of your faith in Christ and of the love you have um, for God's people. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Now again, Paul is not talking specifically about dating. He's saying, this is how I pray for you because I love you. And because we are brothers and sisters in Christ, this is how I pray for you. I wanna expand our idea of prayer and dating. Instead of just praying, God, bring me somebody, Start praying for them in a specific way. Start praying for yourself in the same way. Paul says we continually to ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. Start praying, God, would you fill me with your will and for my life? God, that person that, you, that I'm gonna end up with, God, would you help them grow in their knowledge of who you are and, and your will for their life? Instead of praying for the hottest person you meet, Start praying for that person that you're going to meet to know the will of God. And then through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, God, would you give me your spirit of wisdom as I navigate this life of dating? God, would you give him or her, would you give them wisdom as they discern who to, to date? Would you give them the wisdom that only you offer? And God, as I date, would you help me live a life and date in a way that is worthy of you? Right, we're just taking this text and turning it into a prayer. God, fill me with the knowledge of your will. God, give me the wisdom and understanding that your spirit gives. <coughs> God, help me to date in a way that, brings, that is worthy of you. And that by the way that we date, God, would we bear fruit in every good work? that people will look at our relationship and give God glory. So we pray, prayer is where we invite God into the process of dating. We invite him in, instead of just asking him to, to you know, put some little pixie dust on our relationship, 
Prayer is where we invite him into the process. Not just to give us our customized order like we talked about last week, but where we invite him in. Because 1 Peter 5, 7, Peter, the apostle Peter writes us, cast all your anxiety on him, God, because he cares for you. So we invite Jesus in, and then prayer, according to Peter, is where a divine exchange happens. That we exchange, we give him our anxiety, and then he gives us his peace. We give fear, we give anxiety. God, this is how I'm feeling, this is what I'm thinking, this is my greatest fear that it will never happen for me and I'll be alone forever. God, I'm gonna give that to you because I know that you are good and you are sovereign and that you actually care for me. And so we go to him in prayer and there's a transfer of trust. That's what prayer is, it's transferring the trust of ourselves and we're giving it to him. Whatever the situation is, this goes way beyond dating. This is just life. Instead of trusting my own wisdom, it's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 all over again. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. It's the transfer of trust. And when we can transfer that trust, we, give, we cast our anxieties on him, it frees us from fear. It frees us from dating out of desperation. I've said it every week, I'll say it again. Dating out of desperation will lead to destruction. It just will. Because you will expect another person to do for you what they cannot do. You're asking them to do something that they are incapable of that only God can do. You see, when we get our vertical connection clear, when that connection with God who is good and loving and who's actually in control, when that is clear, then we can date. Then we can see people as precious creations made in his image, not to be used, but someone to honor. And so I said prayerfully and patiently, 1 Timothy 5.24 talks about this patience. Paul writes to Timothy, the sins of some people are conspicuous going before them to judgment, but the sins of others appear later. Meaning that some people you meet, you're like, whoa, red flags all over the place. From the first time you meet them, you're like, no thank you, walk on by, right? But it says others, their stuff appears later. That maybe they're, you know, they're charming and they're witty and they're really cute and, and they, but hey, but he says, be patient. Don't just assume because the first impression is what it is that that is who they are. And so we need to prayerfully and patiently step in to the world of dating. Proverbs 21.5 says, the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty or impatient comes only to poverty. The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty or impatient comes only to poverty, meaning you think you're gonna have, but you end up with nothing. So we need to be patient. And as we're patient, we spend that time praying. Number two, how do we date? We date with honor. We date with honor. If I was gonna point to one verse tonight, this the covering, this the umbrella verse for this entire evening, it is this, Romans 12, 10. 
Paul writes, love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Take the lead in honoring one another. A different version says, outdo one another in showing honor. This verse changes how you look at people. Because most of the time, we don't, we don't look at people and say, how can I honor them? Like, that's not how I wake up every day. <laughs> like, not even close, right? Usually my default mode is like, how can I get the advantage in every situation I'm in today? How can I sleep in longer? How can I get someone else to do the dishes? How can I get someone else to take care of that? Well, I have five kids, it's not hard. So, right, like, we're, we're looking for somebody else because we want the advantage. What it means to honor someone means to give up the advantage and give it to them. We don't use someone, we honor them. Romans 12, 10, love one another, not as boyfriend or girlfriend, deeply love them as a brother in Christ. Deeply love them as a sister in Christ. They're not your husband, they are not your wife. They're your brother or sister in Christ. And so honor them above yourself. Philippians 2, Paul writes again, almost the same thing, just to a different church. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In humility, value others above yourselves. Give them the advantage. Look out for their interests, not just your own. So this means that ghosting is not something that Christians do. It is incredibly dishonoring to someone. By the way, if you've ever been ghosted, they've done you a huge favor. Seriously. When, you, when someone ghosts you, here's what they're saying. I am too immature to date you right now that I can't even speak to you or look at you or talk to you. I am too immature. So when someone does that to you, don't take it personally. Thank God that they have done you a humongous favor. They've done the hard work for you. You don't have to wait any longer. You need to let them go. So we don't ghost people. We don't slowly distance ourselves from someone. We don't talk bad about them behind their back, either in the relationship or afterwards. Why? Because our job, our command, our commissioning as Christians is to honor one another above ourselves. We don't call dibs on someone, right? That's not honoring to them or to the people you're, you're around. And so let the goal as we date to be honoring to one another, like think about it this way. Instead of trying to impress them, work on blessing them. Honoring them above yourself. Romans 12, 10. This is a good way to filter a lot of things in dating. Is what I'm about to say, is what I did honoring to them? This comes into play when you break up. How do we break up in a way that honors them? We don't break up by giving them a list of all the things that they're terrible at and that you don't see in them. You say, hey, I'm going to give them the advantage and I'm gonna make sure they walk out of this conversation feeling honored and cared for and respected as best I can. Number three, how do we date? We date with clarity. We date 
with clarity. This is maybe the single hardest thing to do. 1 Corinthians 4.33, Paul writes this, or 14.33 says, for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. And as followers of Christ, then how is it that we leave a shrapnel of confusion and chaos behind us? Because we're not willing to bring clarity. Because clarity requires humility. It requires honesty and vulnerability. And we don't like to be vulnerable. We don't like to be honest. We like to have the advantage. And so we honor our own ego. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people will perish. And that word perish means unrestrained or out of control. Where there is no vision, the people will be out of control. Emotions, anxiety. When there's no clarity, when there's no vision, because that's what vision is, right? The vision is the why behind the what. What are we doing? Why are we doing it? This is modern day dating. When I talk with young adults over the last decade, this one right here, lack of clarity, is usually the reason there's anxiety, there's fear and insecurity in dating. You remember week one when I read the, all the words of how your, your peers described dating? Chaotic, unpredictable, flaky. Most of those words come because there's no clarity. We don't know what this is. What are we doing? It's why you have to have the DTR, the define the relationship talk. Because we're like, what is this? Your friends are like, are you guys dating? I don't know, we're hanging out. It's a situationship. I don't know. Right? Like, we don't know. That's why we're always like, hey, we, we screenshot the text, like, hey, what do you think they mean by this? Right? This is what we do, because we don't have clarity. And that clarity starts to eat away at the peace that God maybe has given us through our prayer and our patience. So let's say you're going along and you meet someone, you see someone at the gathering from across the room, and you think, hey, I wanna get to know them better. What do you do? Here's the answer. You take a step of clarity. I'm gonna to speak to the guys for a second. I've done a lot of dating series over the years. And as I talk to the young ladies in our ministry, one of the things they universally hate is to be asked to hang out. Stop asking girls to hang out, gentlemen. Don't, that, that's not clarity. You're, you're offering them anxiety. That's what you're doing. Hey, you wanna hang out sometime? They're like, uh... What does that mean? Like, are we bros? Like, what's happening right now? And what your, your first impression is, hey, here's a slice of anxiety for you for the rest of the evening. So gentlemen, let's just stop. Let's just stop being ambiguous and say, hey, you know what? I think you're kind of awesome, and my impression of you would be like, I would like to get to know you more. Would you like to go on a date this weekend? Clarity. They know exactly what you just asked and why you asked it. It wasn't just like, hey, I saw you from across the room and you look kind of nice, so you wanna hang out? Like, what is that? Like, my daughter is now in the age of where she's starting to think about dating, and good Lord, I pulled out every dating talk. Like, my kids, can, they could give this speech. But like, I am already forcing her, like, do not answer until you get clarity. If he cannot give you clarity, you just keep walking right on by. Until he knows what he wants, don't step into it. 
Like, I don't know about you, but like my wife does not send me grocery shopping for one reason. I buy stuff I don't need. And I spend way more because I'm just, I'm hungry. Right, so you need to know what you're looking for. That's why we talked about last week. You need to know what you're looking for before you go shopping. And so gentlemen, you need to bring clarity. Why are you asking her out? What do you see in her that makes you want to go on a date? Because I mentioned it a little earlier in jest, but seriously, like these are real terms. Flirtationships, situationships are born out of the soup of ambiguity. And maybe it feels good, I don't know, maybe you like drama. But really what this is, is it's not honoring to the other person. You're not honoring them. You're using them to make yourself feel better so that you can flirt with them for a moment to make your ego feel a little bit more secure. But you're not willing to bring clarity or commitment to the situation. You see, there's a way to be clear and intentional without being intense. Because that's the error that we make here. Is in an effort to be clear, we bring a ridiculous amount of intensity that is unnecessary. <laughs> Again, gentlemen, I'm talking to you. Like you're like, okay, Andy, I'm gonna bring clarity. I'm gonna walk over to her right now, tonight, after the gathering, I'm gonna be like, hey, I've been around you and I've seen you and I'd like to get to know you. Would you like to go on a date this weekend? They're gonna be like, whoa, bro. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> you forgot number one. Prayerfully and patiently. Pray about it first. Be patient. Like the, the, the word I think about, because we, we, guys, we, I think generally we like to be direct. Be a little bit more whimsical and winsome. Like just be a little bit more gentle. You can be intentional without being intense. And if you don't know what that means, you need to bring some of your boys around and be like, all right, help me. Help, help me, this, this is what I'm thinking. Like, use you the guys and the, and the gals God's put around you, okay? So there's a way to be clear and intentional without being intense. But you can say something like this. Hey, this is, this is why I'm asking you out. And maybe after a date or two, you're like, hey, this is where I see this going and I would like to continue this. If you're okay with that, I would like to go out again. Like, what, what if at the end of every date, there was a, there was a, a moment of clarity, as you drop them off, you're like, hey, let me just clarify, I had a great time tonight. And I really like spending time with you. And if it's okay with you, I'm gonna call you tomorrow. Or I'm gonna text you tomorrow and I would like to, go, I would like to do this again. I don't know if there's anybody here who's like, no, I, I would prefer more ambiguity, please. <laughs> no, you'd be like, oh, okay, great. As, as you go home, you're like, I know exactly where we stand leaving this date. Or it could be the opposite. Hey, you know what? I've had a good time tonight, we had a great dinner, but you know what, I just don't, I don't see this going any farther. But don't hear me say that I don't like you. I'm just saying I don't see this going any farther as a dating relationship. Thank you for a great time. Um, I'll see you soon, whatever. Like clarity. You can be clear without being mean. Here's, we'll probably talk about this more. Next week we're gonna do a Q&A on stage, some, some live question and answer. And one of the things when I met with our, our, our groups a couple weeks ago, actually like a month ago, the guys and the gals, one of the things that made my heart the saddest was hearing the guys talk about their insecurities and hearing, about the, the, hearing the gals about their insecurities and having this moment of clarity as like, I'm not involved here, I'm just listening to, to learn and understand, is that the girls' insecurities, 
feed the guy's insecurities and the guy's insecurities feed the girl's insecurities. It is a vicious cycle. Let me give you an example. The clarity piece is that guys, like we were talking about flirting. Maybe we'll talk about this next week, like how to flirt. Um, it was fascinating. We got some, got, got some good ideas. Um, guys generally say, well, g- girls just aren't generally nice to us. If they're not interested in they, they're not nice to us. I was like, what do you mean? They're like, well, they don't say hi. They don't smile. They don't initiate conversation about my week unless they're interested. And so we got a bunch of guys in this room that generally are not treated well by girls. That's just the general uh, feeling in the room. On the other hand, the girls are like, but here's the problem. If we are nice to them, they'll ask us out. They'll automatically think we like them. And I'm like, yeah, this, this is a problem. This is a problem. Because the girls are like, I, I wanna be nice, but I also don't wanna have an awkward conversation every time I'm nice to a guy, right? You see the problem? And so as brothers and sisters in Christ, we can bring clarity and, and honor one another by saying, hey, how's it going? Man, how's work? How, how is Thanksgiving? And guys, we can bring clarity by telling ourselves, you know what, just because she's nice to me doesn't mean she likes me. I can just appreciate my sister in Christ honoring me, and you can honor her by just playing it cool, dude. Pray about it. Talk to your boys about it. Be like, hey, she was nice to me tonight. You think, that she, you think she likes me? And they'd be like, hey, let's watch for a couple weeks and just see, right? We can do this, guys. But that just, that broke my heart, was to see that the insecurities are feeding each other. And when we can bring clarity we start to honor one another as brothers and sisters in Christ, and we can walk forward in actual friendship across the gender line, okay? I think it was Brene Brown that made this this line famous. Clarity is kind. Clarity is kind. I I worked with a gal one time that was, was, she was super clear, but she was not kind in doing it. And I remember I had to talk to her, this was like 20 years ago, so nobody you know. and she's like, well, I just wanna keep it real. I was like, well, you can keep it real and be nice. You don't have to be rude. So you can be clear and you can be kind. And I love that line, clarity is kindness. So there's three areas that need clarification in a dating relationship. The first one is in the beginning, you need clarity. Like I said before, women universally hate to be invited to hang out. It lacks clarity. Ask them on a date, all right? In the beginning, you need clarity. What is it? Why are you asking me out? Or in the, Vice versa, why are you saying no? Give clarity, like, hey, I mean, I'm flattered that you'd ask me out, I really appreciate that, but right now, I'm just, I don't think I'm, I'm in a place to date. Girls, I'll, I'll speak to you for a second. Let's, well, this is both ways, never mind. I've heard plenty of girls complain about this. Can we stop blaming God for it? Can we stop? Just saying, well, I'm, I, God told me. If you just don't think they're attractive, don't, like, you don't need to make them mad at you and God at the same time, all right? Let's just say, hey, you know what? I'm just not in a place right now where I want to be dating. Um, and if that's true, say that. Like, we can bring clarity on the front end. We, so we need clarity in the beginning. We need clarity in the middle of, of, of the relationship, right? What, what is he thinking? What's she feeling? Talking about this, at, like I said, at the end of a date, how are you feeling? Do you wanna keep moving forward in this? I'm good, like, I would like to, like, bring clarity consistently. And as things progress, intentionally initiate deeper and longer conversation. 
right? The first date, you don't need to be like, hey, I had a great time at Putt-Putt. I really feel like I could see myself marrying someone like you. Like, okay, that's bridge too far, all right? Don't be that guy or gal. I've heard stories of both, all right? But we can bring clarity, and as it progresses, as you prayerfully and patiently go on dates, as you seek to honor them, one way to honor is just to bring clarity. And then you need clarity in the end. When the relationship it's gonna go one of two ways. It is going to end or it will go, you'll, you'll walk down the, at the end of an aisle. That's the two ends. And then we need clarity in both of those things. Now, I will tell you, this is always going to hurt when you break up. It's always gonna hurt. There's no way for it not to hurt. But we can do it with kindness and clarity and honoring one another in such a way that they walk away maybe heartbroken but not destroyed. Because that's what we end up doing. When, when there's a lack of clarity, we are sending them off into the sunset with a, 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 a baggage of insecurities. What's wrong with me? Why didn't it work? What did I do wrong? Right? Clarity answers all of those questions. Here's why. This is the, like, when you, when I talk with young adults, like, I just need some closure. What that tells me is the person who broke up with them did not give clarity. They just said, hey, this isn't working, we, we're done. And then it leaves the other, it's like taking a grenade, tossing it in their room, and then walking away. You're untouched, but the, the shrapnel just destroys them. And so clarity says, hey, I value you as my brother in Christ. I value you as my sister in Christ. Let me tell you why. And this is hard because you're gonna have to be vulnerable and honest, which we're just not naturally good at. We like to protect self. And so as we do this, that means we don't freeze people out. When we, when, when we break up, we're truthful and honest and gentle. We don't ghost them or pretend, oh, there wasn't anything there. When you darn well know there was something there. Like we were like, I mean, the, the, the amount of conversation, I'm like, well, they were flirting with me and then all of a sudden, nothing. And then it makes them go crazy, like, did I just make that up, right? Like, that's not honoring, it's not clarifying for them. So without clarity, it is extremely diff difficult to honor people. And as we don't practice giving clarity, it becomes much easier just to use people. If we don't practice this particular one another, honoring one another through clarity. You will train yourself just to use people and then discard them when you are done. Number four, how to date with self-control. 1 Corinthians 13, the love passage, says love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love is patient. It does not dishonor. It is not self-seeking. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes and always perseveres. And when I say self-control, what I mean is that love does not push to compromise the sexual boundaries and purity that God's word puts in front of us. Love is not self-seeking. 
love always protects, which means it does not push the boundary, it does not break down the wall, it is not self-seeking, it protects. You see, what happens is, is, is lust is impatient. And it pushes for compromise. It seeks to dishonor and use our brother or sister in Christ. Like this is not, like this is one of those concepts that like we, we, we like to push back on because we're like, well, you know, we're two consenting adults. We're like, no, 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 you are a, you're a follower of Jesus. Your identity is a Christian. You are a child of God who says, I'm going to follow Christ. Hebrews 13, four says, let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Guys, that's a pretty clear verse about sexual purity before marriage. Now our world, the culture that we live in, worships, I mean worships sexuality. Our culture would tell you you're not even a complete human if you have not experienced sexual intimacy. And we talked about this week one. Well, then Jesus was not a full human. The apostle Paul was not a full human because they were single their whole life. God's word is clear that the marriage bed is to be kept pure. And so as we date, it's not a matter, like the wrong question is how far can we go before God's disappointed or that we're, 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 we're in a dangerous zone? That's the wrong question. 1 Corinthians 6, 18 through 20 says, flee sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the person who is sexually immoral sins against his own body. Don't you know, guys, we need to change how we think about our body. Listen to this. Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price, so what? Glorify God with your body. It means the Holy Spirit of God dwells in you as a believer. And so as we partake in sexual acts, whether that is pornography through a device or with one another, we are inviting the Holy Spirit into that activity. Your body is not your own. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so... Do you, if you're a believer, do you know why afterwards you're like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Man, we crossed the boundary there. You know why? That's the Holy Spirit saying, what are you doing? <laughs> what did you invite me into? What did you bring me along to? And so the wrong, the wrong question is how far can we go? That's the wrong question. The right question is, am I glorifying God with my body? Is what I'm doing, is what my eyes are seeing, is it glorifying to the Lord? Can I do this in a way? Is what I'm about to do going to bring glory to God? Is it gonna bring me closer to him or is it gonna put a barrier between us? Let marriage bed be held in honor among all. For we were bought at a price. You are not your own. So glorify God with your body. So we gotta quit playing house. We gotta quit playing house. That is not what God has intended. 
God intended sex to be between a man and a woman in a lifetime commitment where there is security and there is safety because it is a precious and wonderful gift between a man and a woman. God has given a gift. We like to use it as like just something to do on the weekend. I'm bored. That's what our culture is telling us. God's word is telling us a totally different picture. And so we need to think about our sexuality, our sex drive, our desires, not as something to be fulfilled by another person, but a gift from God designed to be played out in a marriage relationship. One of the reasons that marriage has been delayed, meaning people are getting married older and, and, and waiting longer, is because of this concept. Is because they can get their sexual needs met as an individual and they don't need a spouse. So why get married? Right? But it's actually these desires that God has placed in us. He's wired us that that would motivate us to get married. Because that's where God created it. That's where it bears good fruit. That's where it connects two people together. Do you know the, 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 the chemicals that are released during sex are actually designed to bond people together for long term? Like science has caught up with the Bible. That's why, that's why, listen to me, this is why breaking up with someone you've been sexually active with hurts way more. Because part of you is with them. And so as we date, we need to date with self-control. Look at, uh, here's it here. I wanna give you two filter verses, a physical filter of your relationship. Colossians 3, 17, Paul writes, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father through him. So the, the, the filter is, can I do this in the name of Christ? Giving praise and glory to God. Proverbs 16, 32. Better a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control than one who takes a city. Because let's be honest, guys. We talk about sex as a conquest. Something to be experienced, to be a full person. I'm gonna conquer this. I'm gonna do it. I gotta go get mine. Proverbs says, better a patient person than a warrior. One with self-control rather than one who takes the city. It's better to be patient and self-controlled than a warrior who takes the city. If we give lust free reign in our relationships, it is impossible, impossible to honor one another because we're just using someone. Because we bought into a narrative that we have to have this in order to be a complete person. But if we trust that God is good, and is working all things out for the good of those who are called according to his purpose, then we are free to honor one another by dating patiently and with self-control. That you're actually, not, not only are you honoring God, you're honoring your brother and sister in Christ. It's a win-win. That I'm gonna, I'm gonna steward, this, that word stewardship, I'm gonna steward my sexuality in a way that honors the person I'm dating and it glorifies the name of God. That I'm gonna love someone in such a way that they're gonna know I'm a believer, right? Because that's weird now. When I was growing up, like this was kind of the expectation. It was like, you wait till you're married, no more. Like if someone on a reality TV show is a virgin, like they're the weirdo. 
Doesn't it make sense? John 13 says, by the way that you love one another, they will know you, my disciples. And so when we start talking about this area of our dating relationships, like, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna hold off on that until we're married, until we're committed for a lifetime. People are gonna be like, whoa, that's gonna catch their attention. And that opens up the door to a conversation about why. And then you're gonna bring up your faith. And you're gonna bring up the goodness of God and how he has designed and given us this wonderful gift. And I believe that God is good and he's trustworthy. And so I'm gonna wait. And I'm gonna honor my girlfriend. I'm gonna honor my boyfriend. So four ways really quick to honor one another physically. Number one is know and communicate your boundaries, the what and the values, the why. Know and communicate your boundaries. Now you need to figure these out as a single person, not on the couch at 11 o'clock at night. What, are, what, what is the boundary? Like, what is, your, what, what is your value here? And then you communicate it. Just say, hey, here's the deal. This is who I am. Because of who I am as a Christian, this is, this is what I think, and hopefully you're dating another believer, and they're like, yep, I agree. All right, so you communicate those things to one another, and then number two, you share those with one another and also your community, people that know you the best and that want this to go well for you. You say, hey, we, we, we had this conversation. This is where we're gonna draw our boundaries. So I want you to be asking me about that. Invite your friends into this. Number three, ask a different question. Does this glorify God and honor my date? Change the question. Not how far can I get? What can I get away with? What can I do without making them mad at me? Change the question. That's number three. Does this glorify God and honor my date? Number four, Pray together to honor one another at the beginning of the day and at the end of the day. If you guys are actively praying, you know your boundaries and you're actively praying, God, would you help us honor one another with our physical intimacy that we would, we would be obedient and honoring to you. Man, it's, really, it's gonna be really hard when you're both actively talking about it, praying together. Now here's what you, make sure you're not praying on the couch at 11.30 while you're cuddling, okay? Like, that's probably not a good formula, just general wisdom. Like, just pray about it together. Can we just be honest as, as we kind of wrap this up tonight? Is that the, the, the physical, sexual side of a relationship, this is where most of the wounds come from. This is where most of the wounds come from. God has given us this wonderful gift if it were a fire, God has said, here's the fireplace. Let it warm you and have its purpose here. What we do and what our society has done is say, you know what? You don't need no fireplace. Let that fire run. And guess what happens? Eventually it burns your house down. And so a lot of the wounds that, I, that we talk with people about is because they've given a part of themselves to someone now here's the good news, if that's you, and I guess there's probably plenty of people in here that that's probably the case. We serve a God who is a God who forgives and who redeems. And there is no better time, no better time than right now to say, you know what, I'm gonna walk in obedience from this day forward. God has forgiven you. He will redeem it for your good and for his glory. So don't let Satan just get in your head like, and just shame and shame and shame you. Say, hey, God, I'm gonna confess this. I recognize that this was not your desire and will for my life. And so, God, I would ask your forgiveness. Now, let's move forward. Let's go. God will redeem it. Lastly, number five, how to date. Date in community. 
Proverbs eleven fourteen says, where there is no guidance, a people fall, but in the abundance of counselors, there is safety. What this looked like back in the day was courting, this idea of courting. There was no dating, there was courting, where the gentleman would, would go to the, the girl's house and he would sit in their living room and the whole family was there, grandpa, grandma, brothers, sisters, mom and dad. They wanna get their eyes on this boy. I've told my daughter, like, if anyone wants to ask you out, they gotta come talk to me first. And that's probably gonna limit her pool of dating candidates. That's fine with me and that's fine with her. If they can't have a conversation with me, move them on by, okay? But we don't do courting really these days. We just kinda, good luck, you're on your own. Like you go on a date, you send all your friends your location. If I don't call you by 10 o'clock, come looking for me. Right? That's the world we live in. It's not, it's, it's not this most safe place in the world, especially for you ladies. So we date in community. We get our, these people that we're on a date with in front of our, our, our closest friends and family. Like when I was dating Taylor, I would create group dates for us. I'm like, hey, we're gonna get some people together, we're gonna go do this, or we're gonna do this. One, because I just wanted to get her around other people that were not romantically interested in her. Because surprise, when you're romantically interested in someone, you don't think straight. You, let, you, look, you, look, you glaze over some things you should not glaze over. But you get her, gentlemen, get her around your guys. Ladies, get, get him around your girls. Date in community. Don't isolate by yourself and disappear for months at a time. Then you break up and all of a sudden you're back. Like we know these people. What I would suggest is this, is at least find one person in your closest community and give them permission to speak into your dating relationship. Now, as Americans, we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Personal freedom, that's my right, I can do what I want. I mean, that's what COVID showed us. You tell me what to do, watch how hard I don't do that thing, right? You want me to wear a mask, watch me not. Like, I mean, just, that's, how, that's the way we're wired. But as brothers and sisters in Christ, to love one another, bear a burden with one another, what would it look like for you to, to pull aside your best friend and say, hey, here's the deal. We're gonna go on a date and this is, this is where, what I'm thinking. Here's my values and this is the kind of person I want to be towards him or her and here's our boundaries physically and I'm gonna give you permission to ask me anything about my relationship and I will tell you. You know why people don't ask? Because we don't have, we don't, they don't have permission. But if you invite someone in that you trust and who loves the Lord and says, hey, I want this to go well for you, you're my best friend, then give them permission to speak into your relationship. We cannot be dating alone. If we're the only one listening to our heart and our, and our thoughts, man, it's gonna be tough. Because what community can do is provide three things. Biblical counsel, encouragement, both good and bad, Right? They can encourage you like, yeah, you may wanna pump the brakes on this. right? And they can give accountability. They can give counsel, encouragement, and accountability. So here's where we've been tonight. How do we date? Prayerfully and patiently. We date with honor and with clarity, with self-control and in community. These are just biblical principles. The, the people that I've seen come through our ministry who do these things at a pretty good level, it goes really well for them. It goes, it goes much better than if they did not. And so what do we do with this? Quick so what tonight. Number one is pursue the Lord first. 
Before you pursue what he has created, pursue the creator. Make God your number one relationship. Before you, because if you don't, you will make his creation your number one idol. Number two, shift your perspective on dating. And that perspective is how do I honor this person? How do I honor them? From the minute I ask them out to the minute we go on our first day to the minute that it ends to the minute we get married, whatever it is, how do I honor them tonight? How do I honor them this weekend? How do I honor them in this season? Number three, maybe you're in a dating relationship. Do you need to get or give some clarity to that relationship? Do you've been living in the world of ambiguity and you need to bring some clarity? Or maybe you're like, hey, we need to talk because I need to get some clarity. I need to know where we're at here. Like, here's the challenge. The most mature person in the relationship will bring the clarity. So don't wait. Because if they come to you, they're the more mature person. Do you need to get or give clarity? Number four, is there an apology that needs to be offered? Is there an apology? Have you been in a relationship or are you in a relationship where self-control was not a part of it? And there needs an apology to be had. Say, hey, I did not honor you in this way. The way I, we ended it was not honoring. The way that I've been kind of leading you on was not honoring. I need to apologize. Because as believers, that's what we do. We've been forgiven much. And so we need to step into that moment and say, when, when we have wronged our brother or sister in Christ, we need to go make things right. And then lastly, what needs to change in the way that you date? What needs to change? Is it a perspective? Is it habits? Is it just kind of the, the old line that you go back to over and over because you know that's gonna get a girl or that's gonna get a guy? What needs to change to bring how you date into alignment with God's word and the one another's, to love one another as I have loved you? We're gonna leave these up on the screen. There's also gonna be a QR code because like I said, next week, we're gonna do a, a, a live Q&A we're gonna get some, some uh, my wife's gonna come and then um, Carly and her husband Cole are gonna be here and we're just gonna answer your questions. Um, we wanna bring clarity to anything that I've said over the last couple weeks and so please give us your questions. We will try and answer them as best we can next week uh, so that as you go out into this world of dating, it isn't so terrifying. It isn't so hopeless or scary. It's actually kind of fun because you're getting to spend time with a brother and sister in Christ that you kind of like. That's a fun, that should be fun. So I'm gonna leave these up as we go into 120, let me pray. God, thank you for tonight, Lord. Thanks for um, just the wisdom we can get from your word. Thank you for the way that your, your word instructs us and challenges us and sharpens us. Um, God, if, if there's um, wounds in the, in, in the room tonight, God, would you, would you get busy healing them with the truth of who you are and who you say they are. Whether that's forgiven or redeemed or, or restored, whatever it is, God, would you heal the, the, the hurt hearts tonight? Would you give us wisdom and discernment and honoring and loving one another as brothers and sisters in Christ? In your son's name, amen.